A big part of being an active person in the outdoors is gear and what we wear. You don't have to have the newest pack or the most expensive boots to go on adventures, but it's kind of nice to have clothes that help you move to the best of your abilities. Clothes that breathe and support and function and just look good. Today on the show, I'm talking to two women, founders of apparel companies whose mission it is to make clothes that function and perform really well and look good while keeping the environment in mind. So that when we hit the trails, the waves, the road, we feel great doing what we love. This podcast is a little about their journey into creating their respective apparel companies and why they're so passionate about creating clothes that not only let you move and look good, but can give you a mental edge and help you feel empowered. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living. Sally Bergeson is the founder of Wazelle. It's a woman's running apparel company spelled O-I-S-E-L-L-E. Sally got into running in college and she found herself wanting higher quality, more flattering clothes for her runs. She had a really deep background in design and branding, but then she got into the history of women's apparel and how her relationship with clothes has evolved over the years. I actually met Sally at a speaker series I was hosting in Hood River in Oregon a few years ago, and she gave an incredible talk about the relationship we all, especially as women, have with clothing and how that relationship led her to create her own company. She talked specifically about this concept called enclothed cognition, which she defines as the social and psychological science of understanding how apparel can give us a mental edge. Before you started this amazing company, you know, what were you doing? Gosh, I mean, I like to say I've just tried so many different things. I really dabbled in a bunch of different pursuits. And uh, so then I went and worked for a design agency. And I that's really where my sort of creativity got woken up. So while you're at one of your creative branding agencies, I heard you created a really well-known name for a woman's pill. Yeah. So while I was working at, um, as I mentioned, this first job that I absolutely loved, um, we did a lot of company and product naming. So we would get hired to name, you know, who knows what, whether it was a, you know, a new like a shoe or a new Internet company or whatnot. And um, a project came along where we were asked to come up with a name for a new over the counter emergency contraception product that had yet to have a name. And ultimately that became plan B. <laughs> That's a great name for that product. I know. I know. It it but you know what is what's interesting about naming is that it it's it's a super challenging pursuit in part because so many names have already been trademarked. So yep. it's really difficult to own any words that you might want uh, that are available in the English language, but yeah, the rest is history. You've done a lot of talks around women's clothing and the history of design and athletic apparel. Can you tell me more about that? I know you said we started naked and you cited a lot of points in history where clothing either restricted us or helped propel us forward. I'd also love for you to tell us how you became so interested in this topic. Yeah, it's sort of become my life's work in a way like not just uh, clothing, but understanding that relationship between women and clothing. And I, mm. I think one thing I wanted to just say up front is that that relationship is really complicated. And... <laughs> That's would be the Facebook thing. Like, <laughs> clothing and women had a Facebook page. It's complicated. It's very complicated. And an, another kind of like caveat or disclaimer I like to make up front is that I think the most important thing for women and their relationship to clothing is to understand and embrace this notion of agency, 
which is just that whatever is in you and your desire for what you want to wear and what feels good to wear is absolutely what you should wear. And so the talk that I that I gave around enclosed cognition was kind of multi-level. One was a little bit around my professional background and, you know, being the CEO and a designer for women who who want to wear athletic apparel, not only to feel good, but, you know, for world-class athletes who want to win, you know, medals at the Olympics, who want to place at the top of their events in the world. But then there was also my my personal journey with clothing and and my own evolution as a woman who wears clothes and how I discovered that I had this kind of troubled relationship with shoes, specifically heels, in that I don't think any woman who has spent any significant time wearing heels can tell you that they feel good. Okay, they just don't. I mean, (laughs) now, you might argue that they make you feel fantastic. You know, maybe you feel sexy or top of the world and all that, and that's all valid, and that kind of goes back to that agency idea. But the fact of the matter is, is that heels are, you know, they're painful to wear. They do things to your body that are, um, you know, physically contorting. They can hurt your back, your hips, your legs. And so I think once I started to think more deeply on that, I was just like, wow, there's just, you know, as I said, it's complicated and there's a lot to unpack here. You know, there's these cross sections of feminism and women in their bodies. And I like to say there's this tyranny of objectification that you can trace through the history of women and their relationship with clothing. And that's taken a lot of forms, right? Like it's taken forms of, you know, foot binding is a really good example. You know, it's a very traditional practice. You know, it had certainly had parts of it that were ritual and that were important to the women that participated in it. But, you know, when you look at it, you know, factually, it's taking feet and binding them and twisting them and hurting the bones and making it so women, you know, can't walk. So that's a very extreme example. But through various cultures, whether it's corsets, whether it's neck rings, whether it's, you know, in the modern times, you know, there's shapewear. And by the way, men aren't men aren't exempt from all, you know, you know, many, many, you know, strains of, you know, body pressure, body image. But I would say that it's um, a different game. So the thing I thought was most interesting is you you talked about clothing as it lets you move. Mm-hmm. And one problem with heels is you can't run. No, no, you can't run. And, you know, quite frankly, if you look at it on just like a primal level of, you know, how we are in the world and that in any moment we need to be able to call on our bodies to do a couple of things, and that's fight or flight, right? And so if you're in heels, can you do either of those things? You can't. In addition to Sally's design background, the other thing that triggered her desire to create Wazelle was becoming a runner herself. So why running? Running is is magic. It's pure magic. But part of that magic is that people come to it from so many different directions. And in many ways, I feel lucky that I found it. I think it goes back to my dad. He kind of got caught up in the, the jogging boom you know, in the 70s. And mm. I think just getting a little taste of it, I realized that I was actually pretty good at it. But, you know, it didn't stick in high school. It took me, you know, I went went to college where I basically just spent a lot of time reading books and drinking beer and then didn't get really hooked on running again till the end of college. So, but it really was because I was a little bit bored with the drinking beer and the just kind of not having like a like a direction. And even though I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up, I was like, oh, this running thing is at least like providing me some sanity and some, you know, direction that I'd like to go in. 
So like for me, when I run, it's kind of like, it's like a drug. I just feel good. All of my problems get worked out. I can write books in my head. I can write entire podcast scripts. Yeah. Like what, what happens? That's I imagine it. you run a huge company. Do a lot of things get worked out on runs? That's it. That's it. We're a drug company, Shelby. We're, it's, that's what it is. <laughs> Running is drugs. It's a healthy drug. No, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I talked about like the kind of the dark side of like having no boundaries or like doing things to the extreme. But, you know, I think there's a lot of truth to the fact that athletes and people that enjoy sports are kind of another form of it's like a healthy addiction or an extreme application or a discovery that this thing makes you feel good. Therefore, you keep doing it and you like stay connected to it. So, you know, I I, I think there there might be something to be said for the fact that running is or any you know sport where you're obsessed with it is like a healthy application of those same like urges. What was missing from women's running apparel? that you wanted. Well, I think what's interesting to to in kind of continue our conversation about movement and women's apparel and through history is and this is a little bit apropos of what we've been thinking about right now because we're actually designing this uh, 2020 season. So the theme that we're really exploring for 2020 is what we're calling the movement. And we're we're looking at the movement from like a women's um, the historical women's movement, but also the physical movement of the body. And in that research, we're looking at what women's athletic apparel look like historically. It was kind of very simple silhouettes. Um, a lot of it kind of borrowed from what was happening in men's athletic apparel, not, you know, changed a little bit but not much, but it was all very kind of very functional. So what I think is really interesting is that even in, in the early days, I actually think in some ways the clothing was almost more feminist um, because it was really just truly created to, to like deal with the function of moving in your body. And today as we fast forward like 30, 40 years later, unfortunately I think the fashion world has kind of sunken its teeth into the whole trend that we know as athleisure you know, there's a big part of me that just really wants for everybody to just like think about that. This is great because I'm also thinking, you know, as a kid, I used to run in my Umbro soccer shorts. Those are That's awesome. all I had. Yeah. Umbros yeah, were huge. They were, they were hideous. And then I had to surf in them <laughs> because there weren't, there wasn't Roxy yet. But you know, <laughs> the clothes that were out there for running apparel were these like kind of dorky short shorts. Yeah. Yeah. What did you want? Well, I think... I mean, I think there was still there's still this gap between the product that's on the market and who's creating the product. And I think it's come a long way. I think there are a lot more women designers designing for women. And that's that's a huge improvement. And I think there's been, you know, significant improvement in fabrics, which is fantastic, you know, mm -hmm. cuts and fit and tailoring. But still, you know, I mean, when I had that like entrepreneurial moment of like, ah, why can't I find what I'm looking for? What it was, was that I had this like deep passion and love for the sport of running. And when I went shopping for running shorts, there was just complete crap. Sure, they were functional, but they didn't, they didn't have any of that like, you know, quality that you were looking for, the fit you were looking for, just like that feeling good while you were wearing them. Tell me more about the clothes and why it's so important for women to have clothes specifically made for them. You know, part of it just gets back to that, what we were talking earlier about being in your body and how the relationship with clothing. I think it's my hope is that by embracing the sport and by embracing clothing for sport, that 
you know, I've it's happened to me and I've seen it happen with so many other women, whether that it's involved Wazelle or not, is that they do make a transition from clothing being about presenting themselves and their appearance to the world to going to a place where they're wearing their clothing to move and to build health and value that they feel from the inside out. So kind of changing that locus of control, um, going from the outside in to the inside out. So designing clothing for movement is where we start, but we also love design. We love you know, beautiful, simple lines. We love it when both the form and the function come together to deliver Mm. something truly exceptional that a woman wants to wear because, like, one of the big things for us is our fabrics. We really, really uh, embrace high-quality fabrics. I can't tell you how many times we've had, we launch new fabrics, like, for example, this fall we launched a new fabric called Bird Hug, which is kind of a silly name, but when you feel the fabric, it's, it's so exceptionally soft that when women, like, put it on their bodies or when they they feel it. You just see that they get transformed by that experience. And then it's a compression fabric as well. So it's great for like leggings or bras, etc. And so when you wear it in that capacity where it's literally like the softest thing you've ever felt and it's hugging your body, like now you're like, now I'm like cooking with gas here. So this is just feels amazing. You know, it looks amazing. And, you know, and then by the way, you can go for a 12 mile run in it. And it'll do all the things that you need to do to accomplish that physical feat. So that's kind of what we like are looking for. It's like that trifecta of amazingness. Wazelle isn't just supporting women by making clothes to propel their adventures. The company also created a community for runners, encouraging not only physical health, but also emotional health as well through building relationships with fellow runners of all backgrounds. When we come back, we'll hear more from Sally, plus we'll chat with another talented woman with a similar vision to Sally's. More on that after this message from our sponsor. If you're like me, then you know the same old, same old can get pretty old. REI happens to agree, which is why they think every day is a good day to change things up and opt outside. Whether that means you take a walk in the park or a longer walk down the trail, well, that's totally up to you. You could go climbing, camping, skiing, even spelunking. The options are almost endless. Whatever you want to do, REI is here to help you get outside. So visit REI.com or your local store to find out more. Sensi Graves is a professional kiteboarding instructor turned designer. Similar to Sally, Sensi wanted better clothes to pursue the sports she loved most. In this case, there were limited options for women's swimsuits. Sensi needed something that was going to function really well while flying through the water, didn't fall off, or give her a wedgie. I can relate to that. She also wanted to look good and feel strong. So how did you get into kiteboarding? Because that's a sport I've always wanted to get into and just haven't been able to figure it out yet. I actually got into it because of my dad. My dad learned to kite the year before I did. And the next summer, he was like, okay, guys, we're going out to North Carolina to learn to kite. We took a week's worth of lessons with this company called Rio Water Sports. And I completely loved it. It was awesome. And I kept in touch with the school over the next two years. And in 2009, Rio was actually hiring coaches. I was like, yep, sign me up. I want to do it. And so I moved out to kiteboard. And from that point on, it was live, eat, sleep, dream kiteboarding. And then I chased the wind ever since. It's such a it's such an interesting sport. The women I meet who kiteboard are 
such studs. Like they're, they're <laughs> so badass. And you are literally flying. I mean, what an incredible sport to, to participate in. And you can get totally worked as well. So you have to be careful. But how did you transition from, you know, being a kiteboard coach to starting a business? Because these are two different worlds. There are two different worlds, but I definitely draw parallels between both of them. I mean, you have to have a lot of resilience in kiteboarding because in the beginning you're swallowing a ton of water and you're trying to learn this crazy sport and there's so many different things going on. And then in business, you're always overcoming obstacles. And so you're continually having to adjust and grow and see those obstacles as opportunities so you don't get too bogged down in the weeds. And so I first thought of the idea for my business while I was kiteboarding and I was working as a kiteboarding instructor. I was in the water every single day and I couldn't find swimwear that actually stayed put and that I didn't have to constantly adjust, but that also looked really good, that felt really good to wear, that was super comfortable and that made me feel really empowered. I wanted something that not only looked really great, but also performed really well. And when I couldn't find that fusion, I thought, okay, this is ridiculous. You said that your line of clothing is actually pretty sustainable. Yes. So sustainability is a huge part of my brand. I had a lot of internal struggle with it because I thought, you know, do we need another bikini brand? No. But then I thought, you know, if I can do this in a way that can influence other business owners and if we can make a product in the most sustainable fashion, then this is something that I should do. So what does that look like? So to us, it's chunking down every single portion of how the suits are made and analyzing where can we reduce waste. So for instance, we don't use plastic on any parts of the swim product. So the bags that we use, the poly bags are compostable. The hang tags that I put on the string that we use is a organic cotton string. The labels that we use are organic cotton labels. We're also a 1% for the planet member. And then currently over 50% of the line, about 60% of the line uses materials, fabrics from recycled plastic bottles and reclaimed fishing nets. And we've pledged to go 100% recycled fabrics by 2020. Another amazing thing about these two women and their companies, they're not just making clothes to empower women to get outside. Both Sally and Sensi are also focusing on building communities around their respective sports, encouraging women to connect with and support each other in their athletic endeavors and hopefully make lasting friendships along the way. One of the things I like about running is it's free, it's easy, and it's yep. accessible. Yeah. Why do you think running brings people together so well? Yeah, I love all those things too. I think it's the people sport. I there's like a meritocracy and openness to running. Uh, you know, the thing when I when I talk to people about the sport in general, you know, you get a lot of those like, oh, I'm not a runner. You know, that's kind of, you know, 50 percent of the time, you know, people kind of trot that out. And I, I just kind of like to gently remind them like, you know, that's that's totally cool. Like, you know, you, you don't have to be a runner, but just as a you know little reminder that if you think about it, running is really the only sport your body was born to do. You have running in you, whether or not you decide to, you know, answer the bell, it's there. And so, you know, I, I think if anything, you know, what I've hoped through Wazell, through the volley, through, you know, just kind of, you know, espousing the sport in general is to really let the world know that you are invited. So you said the word volley. Yes. This is your running community. What What's the volley community? 
So <laughs> the volley really just evolved, you know, very organically through our love of sports. So when I started Wazal, I was like, you know, how do we get the word out about, you know, like, I'm a runner. I love all my running friends. We're all here in Seattle. Like, how do we get this? It's like, oh, yeah, we'll pass the clothes around and get them on our friends. And our friends will go and start, you know, join races. And then we'll have the singlet with the name on it. And so out of that, we realized that although creating great apparel for Wazelle is definitely, you know, the core of what we do. What's also equally at the core of what we do is the beauty of the community of running and that Mm. connection that we have through the sport. There's really so few other sports that engender friendship so well. So the volley is really just, it's our running club, running team, and anybody can join. We have an annual membership uh, fee. And with that fee, you get a singlet and basically get entree into the community and ways to connect with each other no matter where you live. And we have about 4,000 women around the U.S. that are part of the team. And one other thing I'll say about the volley that's really cool that I didn't see coming was that it is a cross-generational team. You will have women in there that are, you know, in their 40s. You will have women in a lot of women that are just out of college. And then you will have everything in between. What's the expertise level of these runners? Is it all levels? It's all levels, all paces. And I think that was one of the really the most important things in the creating of the volley because you know, we do we do sponsor pro athletes and we do sponsor elite athletes. And those women are fast as hell, you know, and they are like among the best in the world. And that's awesome. And I find that so inspiring. But you know what else is inspiring? Somebody doing their first marathon ever. That's super cool. And I would just like to point out that as a women's brand, I have been asked over time, well, you're you're for elites and you're for like, you know, the any pacers like you really should choose. And I'm like, why? Why, why should I choose? Like, there's women doing amazing things at all levels of the sport. Are you creating a community in any way? Yeah, I think that's the, the biggest part of it. And that's so cool is that when industry leaders and brand leaders are actually like, okay, how can I create create a community that has a positive impact? And so within Sensi Bikinis, we have a team of athletes that I sponsor, ranging from kiteboarders to wakeboarders to surf instructors and yoga teachers. And those are a core group of kind of influencers. Now we can't support them as much as I would like to, but I sponsor different competitions that they're in and they get suits and we spread the love on our newsletter and through all of our social networks. But the biggest community that we're trying to create is through our Sensi Bikinis Rockstars Facebook page, which is a group of women that are maybe kiteboarders, maybe wakeboarders, but really just living the active lifestyle and wanting to learn tips and tricks to feel empowered, to feel healthy, to fuel their bodies right, and to really have a big, beautiful, awesome lifestyle. Body image is a big part of the apparel industry. I wanted to know how both of these women address body image at their companies in both the creation of their clothes and what they want women to think about when they're trying clothes on. You have this really great take on body image that I found refreshing. Mm. Do you mind just sharing it? Yeah, yeah, no, of course. So one thing you learn by being in a women's athletic apparel company is that body image is a topic that comes up a lot. And it's, you know, it's understandable, right? Because we're in, we're pursuing a sport that's all about the use of the body. You're in a community that's in 
almost all women. And so, you know, body image naturally comes up in conversation. And, you know, I think it's a it's a worthy topic. And, you know, even some of our athletes like Ali Kiefer and Lauren Fleshman and have really kind of tackled it head on and talked about it in refreshing new ways in the sense of, you know, it's not about having a skinny body or a lean body. It's about having a strong body, you know, and that's I think that, you know, if there were if there were one word that I would want women to feel when they wear Wazel, it would be strong. And, you know, and that's that's also a word that comes back to us from our community in terms of what they what they aspire to. So sometimes it's better just to be a rad human in whatever body you have and just own it. Be you. Keep going. Yeah. That's that's a difficult that's that's a super difficult thing to do. And I, I can't say that I've like arrived in that place where I don't think about my body image or I don't think about my body, but it's like this just this idea of of honoring what your body can do, pushing it if you want to, to see if it can do more, whether that's running or any other sport, and then really like celebrating those efforts, whatever that looks like. I like that, you know, the conversation about the body as as a vehicle that lets you get to do these amazing things. How does body image play a role, especially in swimwear for you and for your company? As a swimwear designer and an owner of a swimwear company, I'm looking at images of women in swimwear constantly. And a lot of what is put out there, especially with the bigger bikini brands, are a certain type of body and a drop-dead gorgeous person, but it oftentimes makes you feel bad about yourself. And I've had to take a step back and be like, okay, what is this imagery really doing to my psyche? And is this what we want to perpetuate in our brand? And oftentimes the answer is no, I want to show more body types. I want to show women actually doing things because that's what makes you feel good when you're actually doing something. And I fit so many different women that when they put on a bikini, it doesn't always make them feel good. I mean, it's it's a vulnerable thing. It's a hard thing to fit. And, and that's why our mission is really to empower women, because I know how hard it is to always feel good in your body. And I know how vulnerable it is to put on a swimsuit and go out there and rock it. And so we really want our bikinis to be that piece of equipment that when you do put it on, you're like, yeah, I got this. I'm looking great. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to kill it. What questions can we ask ourselves when trying on apparel? just to know if it's it's even good. When we're trying on swimwear, I think in general, it's does this fit well? And the hardest part I, I see women struggle with is where they feel they either have a harsh perception that's wrong about themselves and what they're actually looking at is not how they're feeling. And so when they try something on that's revealing, such as a swimsuit, you don't actually always get the proper perception. And women are really hard on themselves. And they're when things are tight in some areas, they're very, very conscious of that. And so when you're putting on a swimsuit and you're trying to decide if it's something that works for you, try out a couple of different pieces for sure, because swimsuits are so tough. We make quarter inch adjustments on the pieces to allow for different fit, different places. So when you have a small and a medium, I'm seeing sometimes the difference between those two sizes, it's actually not that much. And so don't get caught up in the size label. Go with how does this fit around my waist? Do I feel like it's pinched anywhere? And if I'm comfortable, then that's the number one thing. And does it support you and make you feel like a badass? Yeah. <laughs> what should we ask ourselves when we buy our clothes? Because you've studied this so much. Mm. I do think it's really important to to close your eyes 
and feel the clothing and to consider how you're going to feel in it, like your mindset. I think dressing with clothing, being able to help enable a mindset is a good way to look at it. I mean, it's a little bit like the elite athlete, you know, for everyone. You know, there's been a lot of studies that show how what elite athletes wear in competition can completely transform how they're able to perform. Um, And why can't you or I also borrow some of those philosophies to our everyday lives. As Sensi mentioned, starting a business and being an athlete have some parallels. Just as kiteboarding and running are challenging physically and mentally, starting your own company, especially an apparel company, it's no small feat. These endeavors require resilience. They teach you to not be discouraged when you fail and to learn from your mistakes. Starting a huge company is like a big, big endeavor. What was the biggest opportunity when you started? Oh, the biggest opportunity was probably to fail. (laughs) That's good. I mean, you know, I've gone to this entrepreneur class at the University of Washington and and talked to groups of students that are basically they're in the process of deciding whether they want to start like an apparel line. And it could be it's not necessarily athletic. It can be a fashion line, et cetera. And I always encourage them, A, keep your day job and B, like save up way more money than you think you're going to need. You're going to need about three times as much money. And so, you know, I think there's quite frankly, there's a lot of risks in being a product company um, because it's a tough nut to crack. So just start small and, and iterate as, as best possible. And that's essentially kind of the story of Wazelle. You have this like, big design background. So that obviously helped you a lot creating the clothes you created. But I think there were other skills you brought to the table that helped you with Wazelle. And one of those is not being afraid to fail. Can you tell us maybe an early failure and what you learned from it? Which one to choose from? (laughs) Well, it sounds like you're okay with failure now, which is huge. Yeah, yes and no, right? Like failure freaking hurts, man. You know, it's like you, you have that, you know, you have to go through all the like, the the seven stages of grief and like you know the feeling like you weren't good enough in the first place to pull it off and you know you have all the shame and the sorrow i mean i think one thing that you know failure is one of those words that gets thrown around a lot like fail quickly you know learn to fail love to fail fail you know and it's just and yet you know talking specifically about what those failures are is a little bit you know you don't hear it as much and so i'll just say like one of the things that I did early on in starting a company was that I think you're just as an entrepreneur, you're so in love with your own idea that you just don't you just don't think failure is an option or could happen. And so I did one of the things I did, which is kind of classic for the you know product or apparel industry, is just that my first design I way over inventoried. I just like I, you know I took a second mortgage out of my home and like sixty thousand dollars for you know running a big shipment of running shorts like of course everybody's going to try these on they're going to be amazing and you know you just you quickly realize that like at the speed that your brain might be going in terms of like getting the word out there and you know having people embrace your designs it just takes time you know and it unless you are a company that's starting with 30 40 50 million dollars in vc backing and investments etc which some some companies do then i think it's it's just that's just a classic like entrepreneur mistake 
Well, I'm glad you said that. And that's impressive that you mortgaged part of your house for <laughs> that first line of shorts. I mean, that shows how dedicated you are. <laughs> or foolish. I don't know. You could look at it both ways. But I appreciate you also saying how in love entrepreneurs are with their own product. Any failure moments that you've had to learn from in, in running a business for women? Oh, yeah. A couple years ago, we had our whole production run of bikinis came out a whole size smaller than they should have been. So everything that was a size small was actually fit more like an extra small, which you can imagine what kind of problems that caused. So anybody that bought a bikini that was a large, it was actually fitting more like a medium and anything that was a medium fit more like a small. And so everything was sized down. And so that was a huge headache. And but being a bootstrapping brand, we just had to you know, send out a disclaimer to all our customers, put the literature on our website, put little notes on everything that went out that said order size bigger. That was one big failure for sure. What's the biggest thing you've learned on your journey? Gosh, we have this camp cup that says, and this is not a wazellism because we've heard it before, but there is no secret. Keep going. I think you learn that kind of again and again in building a business that, you know, it's it's really a and, you know, it's it's why maybe it's been good to be a marathoner. Like you got to keep showing up and you got to keep training hard and you got to keep doing putting the work in. But good things happen out of that work. Any advice to people who want to run a 5K, a 10K, a marathon for the first time? You can do more than you think you can. I mean, I think it's pretty simple. If you want to do it, your body can also do it. And, you know, the the thing is not to get fooled by that first effort out there where, because <laughs> I actually had this happen to me recently. Like, I think experienced runners know that when you start running, you immediately feel anaerobic and like shit. And like, you know, you're just like breathing hard and, you know, everything feels really difficult. And then you kind of get into it and, you know, the end of the run feels better. But I think people that don't know running or maybe are trying it for the first time, they experience that and they're like, well, Jesus Christ. You know, I'm like, this is this is terrible. Like, I'm terrible at this. And so I think it's pushing past that, like, initial, you know, pain period and really sticking with it and knowing that that's not a unique experience to you. Like, experienced runners and fast runners even go through that, like, couple minutes of, like, sucking wind. And having massive pain. <laughs> yeah. And just being like, oh, I don't want to do this. Okay. It gives me something to look forward to. Exactly. We used to ask all of our guests, you know, if you could go back and tell 15-year-old Sally one piece of advice, what would you tell her? I would say your value is not your appearance. Like, I think that's a really great message for any any woman. But, you know, try to get the girls when they're young. I think those are good, powerful words that I even need to hear because that your appearance isn't everything. Nope. Which one way you can suggest to our audience to live more wildly? Well, my mom used to say about that song that goes, the wild women never get the blues. She looked at me and she's like, you know, honey, that ain't true. And I always, I always liked that take on it because I've heard that quote, wild women never get the blues. And it's kind of a fist pump, like, yeah, like, you know, get after it, devil may care kind of thing. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's great to take risks. It's also great to take care of yourself. And 
kind of keeping those those two things in balance. That's such good advice. I think sometimes when we live wildly, we push ourselves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we push ourselves too hard. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm definitely not exempt from getting the blues. <laughs> Absolutely. And that that's and that's normal, right? It's a normal. I think again, it's like another one of those false images of like the person out there kind of doing all the bold, adventurous things that, you know, kind of never looks back, never has any regrets. And, you know, and just, you know, that's that's probably not true. So it's okay to like, let yourself have some of those moments. We should all feel empowered to pursue whatever endeavors we choose, whether out in nature or in the business world. I love that there are women in the world like Sally and Sensi, women not only making clothes that support us, move with us and give us a mental edge, but who are using their platforms to create community around their sports. I also love that they're big proponents of trying new things, not letting failure stop us from trying again. And they know that even wild women get the blues. I really love that line. This week, I hope you grab a friend, grab your gear, and get outside. Thanks again to Sally Bergeson and Sensi Graves for coming on this show. Thank you, ladies. I love you. You can find out more about Sally and about Sensi Graves at their companies. Wazelle is spelled O-I-S-E-L-L-E, and you can find Sensi at Sensi Graves Bikinis. This podcast is produced by Annie Fassler and Chelsea Davis and supported by REI, a brand that helps us get outside, go on adventures, and by the way, also sells awesome gear. Tune in the week after next for my interview with a well-known Hawaiian surfer, lifeguard, and waterman. If you like this show, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to the show. It really means a ton. And remember, some of the best adventures often happen when you follow your wildest ideas. 